David? How are you? Look, honestly, I'm a bit tired. Oh, really? What, you know, have, what have you done to yourself? <laughs> I've had a big week in Melbourne. Oh, what's on in Melbourne? Um, let's see, were you... Uh, like, like, is the Melbourne Film Festival on? Or I, I don't think so. Comedy Festival, isn't that finished already? The well or? and truly? Uh, no, I mean, there's no major sporting events in... in uh, in July, uh, I mean, there what? was some big AFL games on, but oh, nothing you know, but that's, that's out of the ordinary. Yeah, what, what were you doing in Melbourne, Stephen? <laughs> I was at um, the Uniting Church's fifteenth National Assembly. Oh, you were at Jesus Camp? <laughs> no, I was at God Camp. Jesus oh, Camp God is Camp. a whole other documentary <laughs> that we don't need to get into. Oh my goodness! Oh. Oh, that would right. take us in a very different conversation. Okay. No, yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, my, my mistake. God, God camp, right? Um, so, um, uh, did he pass? Uh, <laughs> did you just decide to keep him on for another year? Look, it, it's interesting, right? The United Church, since it started in 1977, uh, has held a, a meeting every three years mm-hmm. um, to discuss issues of importance, issues around doctrine, issues around. Um, uh, response to to issues, societal, national issues, things like uh, climate, climate change, uh, or things that we talked about and made decisions on uh, this year around uh, domestic violence, around sovereignty, around climate change, and around same gender marriage. Right. Well, that's be- well. That, that, wait, I, I've got some news here. I've actually been um, dipping my toe into some uh, you know, religion this week as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've been watching Meet the Polygamists on SBS. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> How crazy is that show? Well, see, here's the thing, Steve, and 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 you know that I'm saying this with all the love that yeah. I have for you, and, and and as much respect for 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 everyone out there as I I, I can get. But at, at some point, you, you, like you look at this, and you're right, it 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 does hit a lot of whoa out there check marks for me. But at some point, you sort of go, well, this is kind of just. Like, at one end of the continuum, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, and I don't want to slander Mormons sure. wholesale. It's pretty easy to. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, they are people who believe that God appeared in an angel to their leader who told them to go west and marry as many women as they could. <laughs> Which, to be fair, if you're from you know, a certain mindset, seems like a good thing to believe. But... Well, if you want to maintain an you know a, 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 an old school an old testament view of the Bible and how you need to raise your family, knock yourself out. But you, you know it's uh, uh, I mean I think the Joseph Smith story might have you know a few gaps in it perhaps, but no more so than Moses <laughs> and his burning bush. I mean, it's, I mean, where do we draw the line, Stephen? Well, I guess I guess we have the perspective that Moses and his burning bush happened many, 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 many many thousands of years ago uh, on a, a mountain in somewhere in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, none of us were there. Um, <laughs> there, there. There were people around for a while that were around when Joseph Smith said, hey, everyone, um, Jesus was a great guy, but he wasn't the son of God. Um, I've got some news for you, and I'm taking your wife and your wife. 
No, okay, no, look, I, I, I do take your point. Although, to be fair, there were other people around at the same time as Moses as well. Yes. And, and, and I, I, I'm not sure that we have too many contemporaneous And they largely reports. believed him. <laughs> that is the problem <laughs> these, with the these, comparison. These are, these are people, though, Stephen, who, let's be fair, weren't the most scientifically sophisticated people to ever have walked the earth. I don't know what you're saying about the Israelites. <laughs> God's chosen people. Oh, God. Oh, actually, now you're, you're, you're oh, hammering oh, the Jews. Now, now, now we've become an anti-Semitic Jesus, this, this got dirty fast. <laughs> this went alt-right so fast, I didn't even see it coming. Like, uh, if you really want to think about the crazy things, let's be fair, Bernie Bush isn't where it starts. You know, oh, this no. is the same guy went up on a mountain, and, uh, well, even before he went up on the mountain, he uh, held up a staff... Uh, and the ocean parted so that many thousands of people could walk through it and then closed in on the armies of Egypt so they would drown. <laughs> Climate change? <laughs> sure. <laughs> let's let's even think for a second it was that. Um, uh, then, then, in the middle of wandering the desert, which as many people have pointed out, you can't walk around the desert where they were for 40 years and not find an exit. It's just not that big. No, it ain't that big. Um <laughs> During that time, uh, he went up on a mountain and God's finger carved in stone uh, the commandments that they should live by. Uh, and he brought them down the mountain proud as punch and then proceeded to throw them into the calf God that everyone else had made in his absence because they believed that Moses had left them. And so they needed a new God. Uh, so, yeah, Moses destroyed the first lot and then had to go back up the mountain and get more. Hey, God, can you do it again? Did you BCC that first lot? <laughs> I don't know that we should deconstruct de- Christianity, Steve. I, I just don't know where it's going to go. And then! <laughs> yeah, it gets... It, look, I, I, I'm with you, man. There is some crazy stuff in the Bible. Oh. Now, I love it, and I love the way that it speaks to me of God's promises and those sorts of things. And I get that not other people don't get that. That's cool. Mm. Our Mormon friends are in a special area of don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, oh. Mm. But, but yeah, to meet the police, and it's gotten crazy, right? Because what episode four, episode four was the last yeah. episode they aired. We get five next week for some reason. Um, yeah, I was, I was a bit dirty about that because we've we've been watching them on the catch up service, so we're all ready for mm, episode five to drop yes. this week, and no sign of it. Well, Hiram has uh, been asked to be married, mm. and he's been you know he's been now finally excused from from mission. He's been on it for what seems like a hundred years. Never before have I seen a man so in need of a root. He is so <laughs> pent up with sexual energy and aggression. He's let's play basketball, let's play football, let's get really aggressive with each other, boys. Um, because in particularly this branch of Mormonism, uh, the ladies choose who they marry. No, no, they don't, Stephen. They don't choose. God chooses Sorry. for them, and He correct. gives them inspiration. My apologies. I don't mean to misrepresent that. That is correct, Dave. Uh, they give an inspiration as to who they should marry, and they then alert the elders who set up the date, and two weeks later they're married. Uh, and the same happens after your first wife becomes your second wife and your third wife all at the same time. Yeah. Um, there is a reason why this little breakaway community lives in their own community away from the rest of the Latter-day Saints, because they look at them and go, guys, polygamy is not a thing. <laughs> How's well, no, the but... dude... Seriously, yeah. sorry. How's the yeah. dude... 
that featured on that most recent episode where With he's 18 got kids. three wives, 18 kids. <laughs> and he went grocery shopping. He's complaining about his grocery bill. <laughs> he went grocery shopping and said to the camera when he got back, I had a budget of 600 and I think I spent about 900 Holy shit. Dude, buy some condoms. <laughs> like, like this is this is a solvable problem. <laughs> he really... Oh, he, yeah. He, uh, Contraceptive he, pill. Like, there's lots of ways to solve wow. this problem. Wow, wow, wow. And, yeah. and he was having to tell one of his wives that she had to go back to work. <laughs> which, which didn't seem to be particularly uh, happily received. No, but she either. very dutifully said, okay. Mm. Mm. Oh, How boy. would that go down if you had to tell your wife she had to go back to work in the way that he did it to her? <laughs> I don't no, think it would be. It would well, not happen. Well, but hang on. Let's just not strip this of context, Stephen, mm. because what made it extra special was that, that he told her on the night that he took her out for a rare and very special dinner yes. alone with him without mm. the rest of the family because it was her birthday. All the other wives, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I've got one day a year when the other wives and children are away. Time alone with hubby. By the way, here's the news. You're going back to work. Mm, breaking. Happy birthday. Get a job. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would be very popular if that was no. the way that I delivered uh, any kind of information, Stephen. It would be super poor. Oh, no, I, I wouldn't even broach it. <laughs> just not even for a second. I would find out ways to cut things out of the budget. Oh, just... I mean, well, Surely there must be some... Well, look, that, that family uh, that's only got five, five kids? Yeah, only got five kids. Yes. Maybe you could just, you know, foster a couple of yours out to go, look, you know, obviously you're, you're below average here. Take a couple. I'll speak to the elders, tell them Bump. that you need to marry another wife that can't have babies. Well, and he, his situation's only going to get worse because he's you know actually has an 18-year-old daughter in oh. the house who's doing a whole bunch of household stuff. You know, she... You know, once she gets some inspiration, which unfortunately yes. she hasn't been able to find no, for she's a been couple looking. of years, um, she's out of there. Yeah, she's gone, and all, all of a sudden the uh, babysitting, that, free babysitting, difficult, difficult. See, I certainly wondered, Steve. Yeah. Um, any of the young women in that community who, and I'm not, you know, thinking about this specifically about the one that was featured, but. At some point, yes. you know, 1,500 people in the community, statistically speaking, one, the inspiration that one of those young ladies is going to have is going to be, I think I'd rather be one, with one of the other young ladies. And I don't mm. know, I don't know that, that as uh, open to non-conventional marriage as these people are, that that would be something that... Uh, that they would be going for, Steve. There no, didn't, di- I, didn't seem to be a lot of the homosexual lifestyle. I think in the, the euphemism, community. the euphemism, Dave, is that she would be moving to Salt Lake. <laughs> Which also, I, I think, uh, they're not very friendly. I think they've been meaning she's moving out of state. Uh, but given that, I think mm. where they live is just about in Arizona, and it's okay there. Um, maybe just buy a house on the other side of the street. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, no, well, there's not even that, mate. How long before the women work out that there's more of them? <laughs> what? It just turned into like a reverse Gilead. <laughs> what, dude, like legit. Like, let's say on average that there's, mm. um, let's say conservatively, there's 100 families in this community and there's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and for for those families, each one of the gentlemen involved has at least 
two wives. Straight away, they are outnumbered two to one. And mm-hmm. as we've seen in the show, most of them have three. Yep, uh, that, that seems to be the trend, yes. Right, so they're in trouble from the get-go. So if all those ladies got together and, and just had a bit of a catch-up, said, hey, sister, what's happening? And they said, I'm not really happy with some of this stuff going on. Oh, but we couldn't possibly. Why not? There's more of us. Um, well, see, but this, this is where you get into, you know, speaking about, you know, on that spectrum, mm. Steve, um, is this is where you get into creepy headship um, yes. stuff, mm. which also... They are submitted to uh, yeah, the, the husband that they uh, are married to. Exactly. So, I mean, I was about to sort of say that, you know, I find you know, the, the headship stuff even more creepy, but like, I guess it goes hand in hand here. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is even outside polygamous mm. things, headship is still it's, oh. still... it's a thing, Stephen. I didn't think it was a thing until yeah, I no, heard it talked about at a wedding. And then I was like... Is this, is this really still a thing? Yeah, the oh church... Oh, my God, this is a thing! The church has not covered itself in glory um, around the way that it has understood uh, the relationship of marriage um, in in its years where it was in power. Let's talk about it that way. Hey, hey so you, you mentioned that uh, uh, domestic violence was something that yes. got a mention at your at, at, um, at God Camp. Yes. Um, now, obviously... Uh, Dr. Julia Baird. God Camp uh, 15.0, thanks. Oh, sorry. God Camp 15.0. Uh, Julia ba- Dr. Julia Baird mm-hmm. uh, put out uh, a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, was it earlier this year or late last year talking about... Both, I think. ...domestic violence in uh, in Christian churches. Yes. Which she copped a lot of uh, abuse from a whole bunch of rednecks going, well, but what about the Muslims? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what, guys? If someone else is beating their wife, that doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it. Like yeah, it, no, it doesn't this is make not it a, less odious. Yeah, this is not a what about this situation. Uh, anyway, so I'm very, very curious to hear like what was the. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say you guys decided it was bad. I'm going to yep. give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> but we I'm very, very much on the bad side of that. But I'm very, very curious as to what sort of prompted the discussion and sort of what direction it went in. Like, are, are you? Are you searching? Are you acknowledging it? Are you searching out for it? Or like, what, what's what's going on? Yeah, yeah. No, the, the 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 conversation was reasonably short compared to some of the other proposals that came to the assembly, um, uh, because in part, ain't no one going to stand up and say it's a good thing. Um, well, well, that's oh, that's nice. I'm yes. glad to hear that. There was a lot of no's when we when when that discussion was had. Broadly, it was about acknowledging that it is sadly very much a thing, and that as the church we need to take some responsibility and uh, help it be not a thing, um, and uh, speak about it and be prepared to act about it. And because it's the national assembly, it, it's not so much so here's the program we're going to implement as much as here's position statements and here's um, things that we're allowing people within the church to be able to do and say. Um, contextually. So, uh, to, to one end, you might say it was a feel-good uh, proposal because it didn't actually, you know, hey, everyone, go and do a thing. But broadly, if you take what the um, uh, the meaning of the proposal was about, it actually is about us as a church being serious about the way that we engage uh, with um, survivors and the, the need for us to recognise and to head off at the past uh, as much uh, from perpetrators and from just it happening full stop in the community and, and to, to allow it to be something that is spoken about openly. Good stuff. No secrets. Excellent. 
We also made some other great decisions too. Um, The United Church in Australia uh, acknowledged um, in no small part because of the statement from the heart last year uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, other conversations ongoing with uh, our First Peoples. Um, In fact, we're in... We have a covenant relationship with the United Aboriginal and Islander Christian Congress, um, which is a group of Indigenous First Peoples who are, are Christian um, and engaged and connected to the Uniting Church. Um, we uh, There was a motion brought uh, by our immediate past president, who is from the Northern Territory and has done a lot of work with them, uh, the, the Indigenous peoples there and around the nation, uh, and declared that they are sovereign in this land and that we will work together with them to see that sovereignty recognised. So, yeah, man. That's pretty cool. We get political sometimes. (laughs) That sounds so much nicer than, like, the Anglican Synod when they just get together and say nasty things about the gays for a week. Yeah, yeah, or whether or not women should be priests. Or (laughs) they're still having that conversation, mate. Like, Mm. it's diocese by diocese. Uh, and I know that our Lutheran brothers, brothers and sisters in Queensland, at least, are having that conversation later this year, whether or not women can be uh, ordained ministers. And that's something that... See, I, this is the thing. Again, showing my ignorance. I, mm. I just figured with the Lutherans, if you wanted to change something, all you had to do was just nail it to the door, and that was the new rules. That indeed is the joke. In fact, we used that a few times this <laughs> last week uh, about us, uh, because we are, are products of uh, the, Re- the Reformation. Uh, which I think last year, yeah, celebrated its 500th anniversary. Um, so nail that to your church door. Um, oh, look, my facts are probably wrong, but that's about where it is. Um, I think it was 500. Steve, Steve, Steve. I don't think this is the time for facts. No, well, <laughs> I don't think this is that program. I'm, I'm giving you nothing but facts, Dave. This is a fact truth bomb. Hear me drop my mic. There we go. Um you know, our Lutheran brothers and sisters in Queensland are having the debate about whether or not women should be allowed to be ministers. And what I was going to say is that the United Church, since its inception in 1977, have endorsed uh, the, what we call the priesthood of all believers. So it, God gifts all of us equally, and that means, yes, even women. So from the get-go, women were uh, allowed to be ordained as, as clergy and have been, and that has continued and I think will continue as a a tradition within our church and it's been really important for that to be a thing because it's meant we've got some really strong female leaders who are in equal position. Our, we just put in a female president, um, only our second, I will admit, uh, but certainly uh, an important move and we voted for our new president. So in three years time, who will become our president? We call him president-elect now. Uh, and we voted in another woman and in fact, our first ordained woman, so our 16th president, will joins a very exclusive club, hopefully one that is going to bust wide open over the future years. Um, Reverend Sharon Hollis, who is the moderator of the Victoria Tasmania Synod, um, was voted to be our president-elect. She's the first ordained woman and the third woman to be president. That's great. That sounds very, very exciting, Stephen. Oh, mate, we even did something more exciting than that. No. Yes. Dave. Hmm. Soon, shortly, mm-hmm. if you're an LGBTIQ person and yeah. you're a person of faith or even not but want to get married uh, in a church or in a Christian context, some Uniting Church ministers will be able to do that for you. Ooh. 
This is the end result of many, 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 many hours of conversation and debate and theological, every shaking fists and all the things. Uh, even down to, now I went down as not a member of Assembly, I was working as a part of the comms team. Um, they held, uh, when, when they meet within the Constitution of the Uniting Church, we allow for open sessions. Anyone can come along and sit in the visitor section and watch, take notes, do all that sort of stuff. There are closed sessions where visitors are still welcome, but they are closed from a media reporting point of view, no social media during the thing, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there are private sessions, which are members only uh, and uh, explicitly stated non-members. So, for example, um, the people who run all of the technical AV gear have to be explicitly stated to include them in that private session so that the things still work. Um, when the assembly meets, it's 250-odd members. So it's not like a small group. It's a bunch of people. And most of the sessions on Friday last week were closed. That got us, in the end, to uh, the decision that has been made, which allows for the Uniting Church acknowledging that some people believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and some people believe that it is between two people. And the cut and thrust of this conversation and this proposal was to allow both those people to be able to um, preside over marriage ceremonies now that the law allows for both. Well, that's very cool. It's very cool. I, I'm really looking forward to people sending videos of that on yes. Twitter to Tony Abbott and his friends. That Quite. would be great. That would um, be absolutely... Look, you know, that would be good. Now, I say soon because it's a decision that we've just made and there's some work that needs to be done still, mainly around uh, creating the liturgy for the alternate, for the, the non... Uh, man-woman marriage so, mm -hmm. so that the ministers that want to do that have uh, because for ministers to perform Pretty a nice. marriage they can only do it within the rights that their faith allows mm -hmm. and that usually means some form of liturgy or order of service that they have to follow um, and they have to say all of the legal right words which have to also be written into it but yep. then there are other words that pertain to their explicit part of the faith and how they say those things. Actually, it's funny you should mention that because I, uh, just today, for the first time, yes. Stephen, actually saw my marriage certificate. Really? Really. Because well, It wouldn't be the first time, Dave. Probably the no, second. No. No, Stephen. It actually was the first time that I saw it. All right. We because... need to work out how that's a thing because you needed to be around the first time to no, sign no, no. it. Well, well, see, here's the thing. The formal, you know, from the births, deaths, and marriages thing, right? So, I, like, I saw the one that I signed on the day. Sure. Then they get, they, they get sent off to the registry, right, and to get who hard. But then there's a ceremonial certificate yeah, that you also signed. That's right. So the ceremonial certificate we've had all along, never had the other one, didn't even really think about or know about its existence until Rach tried to get a passport recently. <laughs> and we shit. And we couldn't prove... Why she changed her name? Oh so my god! We, we, so this is this is where it gets great, Stephen. We were in the situation where to fill out the application for her passport, Rach yes. needed to have like the the formal certificate, yeah, with yeah. the registration number, and all that sort of jazz. All the bits that say this is why you did it, and marriage is a legal yeah, way yeah. to change your name. The only way that we could get a copy of that is by her using her driver's license to prove her identity. Sure. And how do you think we changed her driver's driver's license from her maiden name to Marriage my studio. surname? Yeah, with the ceremonial one that apparently we can't use for anything. Hang on, wheel it back a second. <laughs> um, that's news to me because in Queensland, 
when my lovely wife married me, that's exactly the document that she used to get her license. But then, how? Think about it. How could you then use that to like get a copy of the former marriage certificate? Like, <laughs> I'm thinking about this like in a trust chain, Stephen. Like, what? What's to say that the 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 ceremonial certificate is actually real? Like, <laughs> I understand so, the predicament. It's. I mean, yay that it worked out that way because otherwise it could be a lot harder. But it just seems. Well, then how was she allowed to use our marriage certificate? Like the thing that with the the creamy bit of paper that we signed. Yeah, yeah, no, we got that, but it hasn't it hasn't got the, the super duper number on it so that you can put into the passport application. Jeepers, maybe we maybe she look. I don't know. Oh, it was yeah, seventeen look, years ago. I don't care anymore. Anyway, so I've long locked that in. So yeah, passports, good oh, fun. Gee, yeah, they are. Pass- Passports and uh, and and injections, Stephen. That's where we're at at the moment. That's the that's the fun thing. Well, the fun thing happening in our household. Oh, this is gearing up for your big trip, isn't it? Mm, it is. It is. And you know what I'd forgotten since the last time we went to Cambodia? How many injections you have to have? Well, it's not even about the number. It's it's the cost. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? when all four of us have to get them, that makes yeah. the cost even greater. And, and look. Uh, uh, I think that the doctor was judging me a little bit when he was sitting there going through like the list of things and the diseases and the yes. you know and the cost and I'm sitting there going you won't catch kid, that do the kids really need that yeah they won't catch that like, we're staying in a hotel like, like, oh, like, I'm right like most of my injections from the last trip are, are still valid yes and, and yeah I'm more than happy for Rach to get them but you know just you always bang out he- another couple of kids, mate. <laughs> it's a little bit of hepatitis A or typhoid really going to be that serious you, for the kids. You can't bang out another rage, but you can bang out <laughs> another rope. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, but apparently not. So we, we've gone the whole no. suite. The whole suite. It's sucky when the, 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 the immunizations cost more than your Tiger Air flights, isn't it? <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the thing. This is the false economy of going to... <laughs> to a cheap nation <laughs> is that yeah sure you might only be spending $40 a day on accommodation oh, we spent just, more on needles than we did on this hotel you spent $800 holy on crap. needles holy crap <laughs> think of how many days you could stay in Kaboni for that money <laughs> that would probably be our accommodation budget it's insane oh jeez oh boy anyway <laughs> All good. Wow. All good. It'll be worth it when we get there, Stephen. Sure. Worth it when what we get there. What a tale you'll have to tell. I hope so. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't, uh, ooh, it, it could go very wrong. So, this is yeah. the thing. It might, it's going to be a great tale no matter which way it goes. Because if this it goes as planned, it's going to be this amazing. This and if it gonna, goes look, tits up, it's going to be amazing. Not doing any cave diving. Uh, I've already good. Knocked, knocked that off the Great agenda. plan. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mainly because I'm worried if I go cave diving, I might have to meet Elon Musk, and no one oh, wants that. What <laughs> Not anymore. Dick, that man is turning out to be. He's, how fast has he gone from quirky billionaire oh. investing money in pretty cool sort of techie yeah, stuff put to cars in space to utter shitbag? <laughs> yeah, it's like wow. I loved that this morning they were reporting on whatever breakfast show was on the television that. Um, Pre the opening uh, of uh, the American Stock Exchange overnight, um, Tesla was down 1.8%. <laughs> that was before trading started. I don't know how it finished. 
Well, it's a, it's a or Elon... off the back of him calling one of the rescuers a pedo. It's, it, it, his Twitter account now is only like second only to Donald Trump's in being able to devalue companies in the United States. What a uh, jerk, right? They're like, fine. Say I've got some ideas. Hey, can I get involved? And when they say, look, I think we got this, you know what the gracious thing to do is? I'll send you guys some chicken, you know? Like, I'll send some food. Something will happen. I'll support. Everyone gets a Tesla when they get home. Who cares? Whatever it is, do something nice. Don't then go, oh, but I brought over this special capsule and my little mini rocket that you can put the tie boys in, and it'll be great. How about you use it? And for them to go, look, thanks, mate, but really, back off. And chuck your toys in and have a big hissy fit and go, oh, well, I tried my best. I was in there in the cave, and it looked like it was going to be fine. And you know, this guy's a pedo. What does he know? I what? think the hilarious, I think the hilarious part is, is Musk coming out and going, oh, I didn't even see this guy. And it's like, no, that's because you were being kept away from where the real work was yeah, being done, that's exactly Tiger. Right. Yeah. You were just being humoured. <laughs> you got the tourist visit to the other cave. Oh wow! I, see, and. I am certainly not a cave diver or an expert in anything related to spelunking, Stephen. Sure. However, I knew enough to read the description that said the cave went up and down and they yes. had to climb in and out of the water. And I'm looking at that submarine yeah. going, how is that going to climb out of the water and through a narrow place that's rocky? And Stephen, I'm still perplexed at how anyone, let alone supposed... Yeah geniuses from um, SpaceX decided that this thing would help like, in any way, shape or form. There's, there, it would need to be Iron Man quality flexible flexible metal, right? <laughs> like that kind it's... of nanotechnology that just spills out from a little dot on his chest and becomes a whole metal suit. Um, I... to, look... To, yeah, look, to be, to be fair, Steve, you know, I've been off Elon Musk ever since he said you know, unkind things about Dupoli. Yeah, and that's not unreasonable either. Um, the 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 thing that gets me right, like I looked at, I watched Four Corners like half the world last night, um, and that footage that they showed was amazing. You know, footage from inside the caves of what the rescuers were got, the trouble that, like the difficulties that they were talking about that they faced, including when they were talking about getting the the, the kids out, they acknowledged that they couldn't keep them in there. The monsoon rains would probably kill them. So they had to get them out. And because when they found them, they thought, well, we need to start teaching them how to dive so they can come with us. And then they kind of went, we're not going to have time. We're going to run out of time to do that. And it could take months. Um, so the end result was, well, we'll do this. We'll put them in kind of like strapped kind of, um, uh, you know, bag dealio with a mask over their face and bottle and that sort of thing. And they said the one thing that they were concerned about was that they had to make sure they didn't bump the kids up against the edge of the, the rock faces when they're under the water because it could dislodge the mask and fill with water and the kids would be stuffed. Like, it was... And and the pictures of these... It's oh, it? They got all of them out alive. is amazing. Um, the pictures of the gaps that they had to squeeze through, human adult males... Um, squeezing through. Like, I'd be stuffed, Dave. If I got over there, I'd be I'd be the one standing at the front going, look, I'll take Elon Musk for a walk. That's about <laughs> as good as I'm going to be. Um, yeah, like, people a quarter of my size barely squeezing through. Oi. Oi. And at one point, they're basically saying, like, you know, they talked about the, the, the bottleneck part. Mm. They were saying it was just, what, like 30-something centimetres wide. You know? Yes. Yeah, Elon Musk's space water dildo was not going to get through Mate, that. his fucking ego wouldn't get through that. 
Oh, but I, I, I haven't seen the Four Corners report because what was I doing last night? Something important, I'm sure. No, no, I've reached the point, Stephen, where where things are just becoming a blur, and I, I've, I'm losing all track. But anyway, how is responsible bit, work life? Oh, it has been not good this week. <laughs> It's been not Come good on. this week. But I, before, before I unpack that, <laughs> has the like the world like like collectively apologised to the coach of the soccer team um, yet for everyone just assuming that he took the boys in there rather than going in to try to save them? Yeah, no, look, I, I don't know. I haven't kept up with that. But <laughs> certainly there's a few journalists that need to go, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. Mm. To hear that they found him with them is great. And yeah, the initial reports were that he's led them in there on some kind of expedition. Yeah, sorry, kids. Uh, that's not quite what happened. He tried to do a good thing, and that was go and get them out again. Because <sighs> think about it. What, Bloody let, fake news, Steve. Well, let's just think about how calm those kids would not have been had he not got in there to them. Oh, yeah. Because how long were they in there before they were discovered? Mate, I've read Lord of the Flies. I know how it finishes up. Yeah, yeah. In the dark. Like, kids, they were already talking about how kids' muscles had atrophied in the time that they'd been inside there. Yep. It's crazy talk. He's not... Give me chills. Can I just jump back to the marriage thing for a sec? Of course you can. Um, So, from my personal theological faith perspective, Mm -hmm. it's a really good thing that we've done this. And it is reasonably different to the first proposal that was put. Uh, in part because there were some people who were very against it and there were lots of concessions made to help, I guess, keep them in the group, you know, to Mm -hmm. help include them in the process and feel like they could uh, engage still with um, integrity. Well, 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 hang on, because you guys really are just a collection of splitters, aren't you? Broadly. Yeah, so, I mean, there's got to always be an undercurrent that someone could do it again. So I, I, I can understand why they would want to keep people in the tent. Uh, and also because 20-ish years ago, um, and, and this is the thing, the United Church has been talking about what we do with our, what's in our pants for a long time. Um, so it's not a, 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 we thought about it last week, oh, what a great idea, let's have this conversation. Um, nearly, nearly 20 years ago, uh, in response to a, a sexuality and faith report that was brought to the Assembly, uh, the Assembly at that time agreed that LGBTI people um, could be ordained ministers, mm-hmm. that that was an okay thing. Yep. Um, so in itself, reasonably radical 20 years ago. And while some people said that we weren't Christian then and have maintained that stance, um, <laughs> broadly our, our ecumenical pas- partners didn't drop us like a hot potato. Well, hang, hang on, hang on. So other Protestants are saying that you're not Christians. I thought the, I thought Protestants only said that Catholics weren't Christians. Oh, no, there's some very judgy Protestants out there. <laughs> oh, p- please. <laughs> I, I know how I grew up. You're not telling me anything new. <laughs> Ironically, it's the Catholics who, in part, we're in communion with, in, in relationship with, that are not calling us heretics. Right. Um, it's, broadly speaking, conservative evangelicals uh, who, when you put that into a Protestant perspective, usually Pentecostal people, Baptists... Trump voters. Uh, Trump voters. <laughs> half you know of America. You know it's true. Mm. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, the conservative is a capital C. The mm. difficulty that's come out of it, Dave, is that, that some people who are at the Assembly who were not for this position 
uh, have maintained that they're not for this position and have said that the United Church is no longer of God and, and they're you know going to make their decisions about what they're going to do. All sorts of crazy stuff is being said. And given that the decision is less than five days old, uh, still pretty raw and not properly communicated to a lot of people yet. So there's a fair amount of fear and misinformation going around. Plus, people are hurt by it, you know, and that's that's a tough thing. I have great empathy uh, for people. And I know that broadly it's an unpopular um, opinion to hold that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, there are people in my church that think that, and I, I still love them and I still care for them in the same way. Uh, I disagree with them, uh, that it's confined to that. However, they hold that very narrow view. And I think if you scratch at the surface of a lot of different denominations, the same kinds of things are being said, that some people believe that it's just that, and other people are saying that actually we understand God to be a little bit broader and wider than your fairly narrow view of uh, of him. So that that's making for some tough stuff that is going to face the Uniting Church in at least the next while, um, particularly because, again, our Constitution states that if I think it's half the... I think it's half the congregations in half the presbyteries of half the synods. So half of the churches in half of the regions in half of a state area say that they think that this is a decision that is uh, of vital importance to the church and needs to be reviewed, uh, then it can be. So it can uh, go to a, a state of concurrence where the entire church gets consulted and votes. Uh, but they have a six-month timeline and that clock is now ticking. Now, of course... Some people will think that needs to happen, and there are other people who think, no, that doesn't need to happen unless you repent of your sins. You're all wrong. We're right. And uh, to hell with you. Uh, and, and some the very... The next thing you know, you're moving out of Colorado City and you're setting yeah, up... Yeah, setting up right on the border. <laughs> setting up at... Uh, what's the new one? Ugh. Centenary Park. Centenary Park. Um, so it's, it's, it's still pretty raw for some people, and... It could, I won't say it could get scuttled, but it certainly could draw us into some pretty unfortunate, meaty argument if it goes down that concurrence path, mm-hmm. um, only because it will be like the postal vote, but on super acid. Oh. Speaking of the postal vote, I, I it, as, as we both know, there was yep. lots of horrible stuff um, oh. put out at that time around... Like telling lies about what the safe schools program yep. was. Contend, yes, I have actually met someone now who uh, had been exposed to that propaganda, not directly, but indirectly through a family member, and the family member had been uh, had had it you know, thrust on them at church, and so bought yes. in. Yep, and and so this person, uh, yeah, was was still under the misapprehension that. Safe schools had something to do with the marriage equality vote. and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh no, no, yes. no. We no, need no. to stamp that out, good and proper, no. right now. Hi, yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. So it, it's uh, and this is like an intelligent person, but just like not embedded in the conversation. God. Um, and and so yeah. It, uh, like it was, a, I found it a really interesting conversation because to me it just highlighted how close all the different dirty tricks in that campaign came to derailing things. Oh, because it's like, oh wow! Like, but the problem is, warning, it's we're going to get political. Um, 
the problem is with all of that, Dave, is that those dirty tricks are, are now forming political parties. Oh, God. Tory yeah. Bernardi's Conservatives. Um, and, and they're using all of that fear and misinformation and doubt and the fact that to try and let people get along, no one's really done authoritative things or made statements to suggest that... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's and even if you do, this is the problem with our, our, the narrative full stop these days. If you come out and say that this is a thing, like for our president to come out and say, you know, the Uniting Church now allows for ministers to, 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 to basically choose which way they want to believe in that situation or which um, their understanding of marriage they want to subscribe to. Uh, and we can all be together, still in unity in this, uh, just that this is not um, uh, a deep... Um, what's the word I'm saying? Doctrine. It's not a doctrinal Mm -hmm. issue. Hmm. It's simply a theological issue, how you understand the Bible. Instead of who we understand God to be, it's just simply how we read the Bible. That's all it is. And there are people going, no, 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 it's much more than that. It's absolutely centered to the faith. And yet, like, of all of the creeds that the Protestant church subscribes to and all all of the understandings, there's only, like, one that mentions marriage. And even then, it's not, like, you can't, marry your brother yeah see like here's the thing years ago Stephen I used to have a, a, a podcast about politics you may have heard of it no uh, no. well yeah I did actually for, for some some time you're um, such a moderate lacking opinion Dave oh, no, I know uh, anyway one of the things that, that I discussed more than once on that was the power of like information from trusted sources yeah like as as opposed to official information, yes. and I think this sort of highlights the the, the the it just all over again. Like the person who again didn't firsthand hear the safe school stuff, but had you know someone that they trusted in their family go, "Oh, this is how it's it bad. is." Um, yep, uh, is not that far removed from what I've said many many times about chain emails and all this sort of yes. stuff that um that. Conservatives are massively into, yes, um, and because when you get that communication from someone that you trust, you give it a level of authority well beyond an official statement from someone who you've already decided to be distrustful of. And I think this is what like the really dangerous part of where you guys are at at the moment is like the misinformation about what has been decided uh, at at God Camp. Yep. Is going to be shooting out at the speed of light, while um, you know, you're still really trying to think about how to put the official statement out that is respectful to everyone, but is still informing everyone. Like by the time it comes out, it you know, if you if you're unlucky, it may already be too late. That, that's the frightening thing about the, these this kind of communication. And, I, and I've got no solution to it. <laughs> that's not why I brought it up. But I just just you know. Yeah, I think it's it's worth mentioning about how uh, I mean, like you look at that on a on the on the big scale, and that's you know Facebook fake fake news. But yeah. it's it's it at its heart, it's the same thing of of short circuiting your critical faculties because the information is coming from someone that you believe you should trust, and you know, once that takes hold, it becomes part of your tribal belief, and and it's very very hard to change it. <sighs> Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cheery. <laughs> no, but you, you, you bang on, right? This, this is some of the problem that we face. 
You know, the it's interesting, right? There were some people who were really afraid that if if we made the decision the way that we did or the outcome that we came to, that the press would be all over it and blah blah blah. No one even turned up. <laughs> and and in fact, once once it happened, say, you say you had, you had fewer you had fewer people from the press than uh, than they had at that bloody. Uh, Oh, what was it the the press conference in Melbourne from some of the African community leaders asking for uh, you know to to oh, yeah, ha- have a dialogue and like they got like one person from BuzzFeed and someone from the Guardian I think were about the only ones who showed up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when the narrative is pre-written, it's it, it's hard to get the attention. Well, the, I had some conversation with like media friends because I've got a few of them, and you do you know them? I do know some people. And and broadly, I said, so why do you think it wasn't newsworthy? And I say this cautiously because when the decision was made late on Friday night and we posted releases and stuff and there was even some back and forth about what happened because in private sessions people were leaking information out to conservative Christian press who then published before we had officially announced um, that we'd made this decision. It was pretty diabolical. Um, and it was mentioned as a part of the meeting and the president Let's just say she laid the smack down. It was pretty great, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know because I wasn't there. Um, but AAP picked it up, wrote a pretty great story sticking to the press release, you know, following what the, that stuff was. Um, as the wire services do. Yeah, as that's for right. For the most part. You know, what, you're not going to want to dig too deep on that. And also for the fact that it's around same-gender marriage and broadly the, the, the press are reasonably open to telling those stories. Um. It got picked up. There's a little bit of stuff on TV. The ABC did a little bit of stuff, mostly web, social kind of stuff, which is fine. Um, and I spoke to some, and like some of them were, well, welcome to 2018, time you caught up. And mm. I had to explain to them, well, look, this is actually the very earliest that we could have done anything. We meet every three years. It just so happens that our meeting was six months after the decision was made. And and by the way, three years ago, it was still illegal for them to be married well, anywhere. We couldn't have made that decision because it was illegal. That's exactly right. Um, so we had to wait for the law to change or to have the conversation in preparation for it to change, but not sit, then have it sit for six years, not doing anything. Um, uh, and I had to so it was like, oh, well, you know, it's awesome that you've had that conversation. And another person rightly pointed out, everyone's just moved on. Like, yeah. the world didn't end. Yep. Um, hellfire didn't rain from the sky. A lot of very happy LGBTIQ people got married to the pe- person that they loved dearly, and uh, the sun got up the next morning. So, for a church to do it is great. However, it, I won't say it didn't change the world, because we are the first mainstream denomination in Australia to do so. In fact, probably to our disservice, because it is actually causing some rifts and ructions with our conservative brothers and sisters in other faiths. Um, but without being indelicate, some might say to hell with them. Um, <laughs> not me, and you, though. And, and, and you, well, and, and you know what, Steve? If it did come from you, it would have a lot more meaning than if I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't be me, Dave, because I work for the church and I can't hold a position on these things. No, very, no, fair enough. Very, fair enough. It's crazy. It is crazy. Mm. And it could get crazier yet. Um, did you know the way that the United Church functions is that all of the properties... Of course I don't. Well, I know, look, I know it's a rhetorical question, but come on. <laughs> Sorry. 
how does how does yelling church work? I mean, I'm enjoying this. I'll let you stir, <laughs> stew for a little bit more. Um, all of the, the property in the Uniting Church is owned by the property trust that each synod is responsible to. Right. So each state-based entity has a property trust, and that mm-hmm. is the keeper of all the assets. So, right. for example, if and this happened when the, the, the gay minister thing happened in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. if a congregation decides to leave... They lose their church? They hand the keys back. Mm. And uh, thanks very much, it's been fun. We love you, go with God. Um, and... You know, the remaining church is allowed to try and start a new congregation in that, or with whoever's left. Yep. Um, and that was to the great indignity of some. Why can't we keep this church? We've paid to build it. Blah blah blah. Well, it's you, a red, red fried print type. Basically, it's yeah, yeah. Did you crack <laughs> open the fortune cookie and see the part on the back where it says "Made in China"? Um, mm. You know, it, it's it's a it's a pretty serious situation. So, if churches decide holus bolus. Um, to get up and say, that's it, we're out of here. You guys can't tell us what to do. If we wanted to be, some would call it lacking grace, others might call it following the rules, um, (laughs) it would be a case of, well, give us the keys and no problem at all. And I suspect there will be a bit of a stink about that as well. Oh, look at, you know, you're playing very poorly, blah, blah, blah. Now, this is hypothetical. I don't know what's going to happen. But if they left... That, that's a legitimate thing, you know? And so the property trust could get into its hands some pretty sizable property that is empty or not doing much. Hmm. And all these congregations go off and have to meet in school halls until they can raise the money to build a new church or whatever, whatever. <laughs> you could rent the churches back to them. <laughs> there was a few instances <laughs> in the last episode, as I said, where churches were sold back to them. Right. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Ever bought a church that wasn't quite right? <laughs> uh, hey, completely... Please. Say, yeah, yeah. I've probably sunk right. myself enough now, so yeah, yeah let's to talk about something else. High school musicals. Oh, can we? No. Yes, sure. Mm, mm. My daughter was in one, in her first high school musical. Congratulations to her. Uh, it was very exciting. She was in yes. the chorus. Excellent. Uh, and Steve, I I have to say, I am actually a big fan of the the high school musical. Why is that, Dave? Oh, like I just think it's great. I I, I, I you know I, I I consider myself a, a, a you know a connoisseur of the arts. I, I, I I'm. You are definitely a patron of the arts, if and, not and, an advocate for. And I think that the more participation in the arts, the better. And and. High school musicals are a fantastic way to try to uh, encourage more people to, to mm. have a go. Oh, Stephen, I was in a couple of high school musicals myself, just quietly, to very, very good reviews, I, I must I must admit. Oh, I in, believe in, it. In, in the Inverell Times. Uh, and, and as I'm sure you can imagine, the Inverell Times only had the best of theatre mm, reviewers. That's right. Not, notwithstanding that the Inverell Times had at least two of their children. In the cast, so is never going to sink said oh, musical. Yeah, at least. Uh, but anyway, so so Callie was was in the, the musical at uh, Albury High. Now, I mean, when you go to a high school musical, Stephen, yes, you know, you're not expecting 
um, like you're not expecting a, a, a touring production of professional actors or anything like like as, as long as it's entertaining and everyone has a, a pretty good go th- th- that's all you want so I, I've had nothing but praise for everyone involved yes. in in their efforts and in their performances. The, like the, the the band was great, the yes. actors were fantastic. Everyone really put in. I've not, no, nothing critical to say about the performances, but what it was a performance of Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> what it was a performance of? Just I mm, just please like, tell Steve, me it was a high school performance of Cats. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? Maybe I should be counting my blessings. No, no, Steve. It was actually it. It was the musical. Yes, fame. <gasps> remember now, my name. Now I'm not sure if you remember Stephen, but the musical Fame mm. was based upon the television show Fame. Yes, which was based upon the movie. Fame. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Although in the musical, they speak derisively about the movie Fame. <gasps> how, which, how very dare they? Which, which is, which I think at the time when the musical Fame first came out, shortly after the television program mm. Fame had been cancelled. Yes. Uh, it, it would have been a little, you know, a pretty cool sort of inside joke. Yes. Uh, Not in 2018. No, <laughs> because because of course the movie fame came out in about what like nineteen eighty. Yes, the uh, the television show ran for four years, and then um, and, and then the the musical came out after that. So it came out around about eighty five, eighty six. So we 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 are talking thirty years ago, and mate. We might remember their name, but we don't remember anything else about, about it. <laughs> Especially not the fact that, <laughs> that that in the musical they're trying to tell like the story of this one class moving through the school of performing arts, right? And they're supposed to be the last class who are going to. They'll be the last graduating class, right? Yes. So we're seeing four years worth of story from about. Four or five separate groups of people Gosh. in one high school musical. Yes. Plenty of songs. Yep. But as you can probably guess, just from time constraints, not a lot of connective tissue in terms mm. of dialogue putting the whole story together. Exposition, if you will. You, there, there, you know, sometimes there is too much exposition. Fame the Musical is not one of those things because it's relying on the audience to remember the television show that was on for four years that was based on the movie that was around five years ago that was incredibly successful and popular. When you can't remember what was in that TV show, the musical really a little... (laughs) Confusing is too strong a word, but it does feel a little thin at times (laughs) because some some of the characters' storylines in the musical are literally taken straight from the movie. Oh, jeepers. Where I'm going to guess there was a bit more exposition. Uh, The other thing, of course, that's interesting about uh, fame, and and, and look... Think back, Steve, if, mm-hmm. if you can at all. Trying. I mean, we, we, you know the basic premise. Fame is set at the you know, School of the Performing Arts in New York. Yes. New York. New York, look, even in like 1980s film, 
a little bit more diverse than Aubrey High. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that the subplot about the character who is dyslexic, mm. but is also angry that he feels that people that the teachers at the school are racist, mm. loses one half of that subplot. <laughs> Because of Unless course, the kid's indigenous or Muslim, which, which he wasn't, and and but look, look, you know, I'm not complaining because the alternative would have been to have a kid going blackface. With oh my really, God. With, you know, so they didn't go there. Good. Thank goodness. Yes, good. Yeah, no, no, like all power to, to. I just, I just don't know that it's the right choice, Steve. I just don't know if it's yes. the, if it's the right. And, and you know what's hard. Because I was thinking back at some of my the high school musicals I was in, and I'm thinking back, and you know what? There was a lot of racist shit in some of those school musicals. And I, I, what was the one I did? It did the, the Prince of Araby, which is like an Alibaba and the Forty Thieves sort mm. of spoof. Like it, it, There was some, I don't know, I can't even remember, who, but there was some joint that just you know churned out these sort of spoofy musical things, right? Um, and... All of them had some pretty questionable humour. Like in in ours, there was a scene, and we, and we in ours there was a scene where Sinbad the Sailor, yes. and I'm not sure how Sinbad the Sailor really belongs in a story sure. about Alibaba, but that that was actually my character. We'll take but it. In the script, it was supposed to um, as a way of, of like sneaking in past the bad guys to rescue someone. Oh, God, can't remember, but he was supposed to like impersonate um, a, a South Asian Indian trader, and the script is like phonetically sounding like someone from India. If you were doing racist panto, <laughs> yes. Now, thankfully, okay, look, just purely by luck, we had an American exchange student who um, was at the school that year, so the. Uh, the role that, that was supposed to be played by an Indian person, um, which then gets blackfaced up, you know, after he gets you know, stolen, like like kidnapped or whatever, we we change it from being Indian to being American. So instead of doing a racist um, Indian accent, I just had to do a bad American accent, which, funnily enough, um, was not that hard uh, because, of course, Steve, it was my acting to make sure mm. that the accent was bad. Mm. Because that added to the humour. Because if it had been a good accent, you wouldn't have got the joke. <laughs> but anyway, all as that's to say, I think if the kids came back and went, oh, we're doing the Prince of Araby, my first instinct would be like, oh, that's what I did. And my second one would be like, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I, th- so I guess I mean, I guess that's why something like fame crops up because there's just like musicals that they can do are so thin on the ground if you start knocking all the racist ones out. I know. All the ones that you're not allowed to perform unless everybody is like specifically painted like a cat in a specific <laughs> way or wears roller skates. Yeah, well, well, apparently... Oh, no, a couple of years ago, Aubrey Hyde did uh, Legally Blonde. Great. Which went down very, very well and was very, you know, very, very popular. Yes, yeah, always great um, if you've got a very talented blonde girl on uh, in the grade 11 or 12 crew. But, um, or, you know, or someone willing to wear a wig, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but it, it, it really got me thinking, because, like, it's now two years until the next one rolls around, and I'm just wondering... Like, where are they going to go? Like, what? Uh, like, and maybe I'm just showing my ignorance, but 
apart from the fact that Disney seems to be turning every single children's movie of the 90s into uh, a, uh, musical, a musical, yes. which I think most high schools probably couldn't afford the rights or, to perform. Or remaking it as a live-action film. Yeah. Uh, I and, and let's be honest, I, I'm not sure that your average high school could pull The Lion King off, really. You know, yeah. So, so what's left, Steve? Like if you can't if you can't do the campy racist ones anymore, and and clearly fame is just it was an artifact of its time that mm. just it 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 just doesn't hold up no matter how hard you try. What's left? Like I'm I'm worried that the, oh. the, the, the school musical is, is in danger. No, it's far from in danger because there's a whole bunch of of you know not Broadway style shows that could pop up plus there's the inevitable you know we can do Greece every 10 years oh, um, yeah, see that's the thing I just don't want to but the problem with Greece has been, it's got it's own problems now right <laughs> it's so what, what like the, it's problematic what, kids what, what, are, what are the Catholic schools here did Greece this oh, year oh you are I'm, kidding me no and I'm just thinking 2018 and but, uh, date rape but, uh, is okay yeah, but I'm also thinking. I wonder if they left in all the, like the gags about contraception because, like, mm. <laughs> that would be a no-no. Wouldn't the whole surely? subplot of um, uh, what's her name, you know, getting pregnant and then no, yeah. <laughs> woo. Anyway, I mean, let's be fair. There's a new. There's always new musicals popping up and those sorts of things. Um, like, um, uh, I, I really can't wait to see Groundhog Day because I think that'll be phenomenal, and I'm sure it'll, at some point, get its leg up. Matilda. Um, uh, oh, Bats. You know. I remember Sorry. seeing Bats. Bats. Yes. Goffy. I remember actually seeing that when I, when I like, went, when a different high school did it. I wonder if that was good or whether that was one of the racist ones. I found this thing. I'm going to see if I can find the prince. It's pretty safe, it. isn't it? Bats, I think so. It was like, I think it was like a... Well, look, and... and Unless we're going to crack down on you know trans- bad Transylvanian <laughs> stereotypes, I'm sure it's fine. Mate, my two musicals that I was in, because uh, uh, I think I said, as I said before, I grew up as the oldest year in our high school every year. Um, so it wasn't like I could be in grade eight and be in our high school musical because there wasn't one. Mm-hmm. They waited until we all got up to year 11. Um, and what that meant was that we had to do a musical. It was time. So we did the Dracula Spectacular. Um, and I played Father O'Stake, um, which you can imagine was the very witty sidekick to Dr. Nick Necrophiliac, um, <laughs> our protagonist, um, who was out to get rid of um, the Count uh, and uh, all of his ilk. And it was fun and crazy and had songs that nobody knew. Um, so it made for a quaint time where everybody's parents and family came along and applauded loudly because we weren't great. Um, and As then, yeah, yeah, and look, my best mate was the lead in that. He was Dr. Nick and the best part of it, it was so, so great. Gosh, I remember this so clearly. Um, God bless Brett, uh, who now works for the BBC, actually. Um, he, he went down, a, a tell he wanted to be an actor and then found he had better opportunities as a producer. And he now is part of the digital team for BBC, uh, and loving that role. As you'd expect, he's a bit of a, a sci-fi nerd to boot. So he's in the thick of a new Doctor Who coming out shortly and, and getting all that stuff ready. Um, Brett can't sing. Right. Like, by can't right. sing, I mean can't sing. And try as our um, senior musical teacher tried, nope. He was not going to sing because 
he can't sing. Um, so Dr. Nick did a William Shatner before William Shatner did. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. Spoken word across the... Th- we all sang, and he spoke. <laughs> so his big song it was that he's a positive action man. Um, and, and it, like, the, 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 his lines were, Look at me walk. Look at me talk. <laughs> Uh, and he was saying that it was actually really grandiose. It was hilarious and added a whole other layer to it. Um, so that was delightful. And then um, despite Brett being far more, far better looking than I was, uh, for some reason they determined that in grade 12, we should do a musical on the life of Al Capone <laughs> called Big Al. Um, oh, dear. Guess who got the lead role? <laughs> Would it be someone who's a little on the largest? Yeah, think? this guy. Um, <laughs> mm. And look, it was it was a bit of fun, you know, that nineteen sort of thirties, forties gangster kind of vibe. Um, it touched very gently around the fact that Al Capone died of syphilis, um, <laughs> uh, and in, in jail after he got twelve years or whatever it was for income tax fraud. Um, to get us into the vibe, though, and this is why, still to this day, it's my favourite film. Our teachers um, who were running the musical sat the entire cast down and said, right, we're going to show you this film and we want you to understand it. It gives you great insight into the clothes, the style, the time, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we watched The Untouchables. Nice. Oh, mate, Kevin Costner's first feature film uh, that he wasn't cut out of. Um, Connery in his prime, De Niro in his prime. He put on something like 40 pounds to play Al Capone. Um, Andy Garcia's first film. Um, it's it's just monsters of their craft in, a, in an incredible performance with a great Ennio Morricone uh, soundtrack to boot. It was just divine. I love it to bits. Um, and so that was fine. So we all got into this gangster thing and suits and, you know, fedora hats before they were cool again. And, <laughs> and then stopped, and even stopped before they cool. stopped being cool again, m'lady. Yes. Um... <laughs> And so it was all fine. Like, it was mm, it was mm. fine. Um, I had to sing a couple of solos, which I wasn't overly comfortable about, but I forced myself, and I think I did okay. I didn't, I didn't cover myself in glory, but it wasn't horrible. Right. Um, but the biggest disappointment of this whole thing, there was a kissing scene. Right. In it. And yeah, yeah. the girl who was playing my opposite... Mm. refused to kiss me. Oh, no. And not just once, every time. Oh, that's harsh. That, 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 that's not something that builds your confidence. And it wasn't like go a pash. It? it wasn't to go the pash. No, it was no. basically just to be like a peck. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, like the flip is, the moment when the kiss was, if it was yep. a little bit of a longing, even just, you know, normal lip kiss, yeah, yeah. It, it would have really made the moment. A peck, a little peck, would have been okay, fine. Ooh, they kissed, whatever. Um, but we had to basically do this fake, you know, sort of turn away from the audience. Kiss yeah, I, oh, I, I, I saw one of those during Fame. Actually, I saw more than one of those during Fame the other week. And not, like, I thought she was lovely and all of those sorts of things, but I didn't want to, you know, take her out the back. Um, <laughs> I'm, it's very clear that she didn't like me because of the amount of effort that she put it's into called, saying no every time. Acting. It's called oh, acting. She didn't buy it for a second. Hey, Steve. It just made me feel amazing. 
I'm so sorry. Oh, don't no, look. It's not. If anything, Linda Dorisario, you owe me a pash. <laughs> a good proper one. Hey, hey Steve, I found it. I f- yes. Chic rattle and roll. Oh no. Not first published 1980. Oh. And let me tell you, if I can remember all the way back to 1994 when we did it, it uh, actually no, it might have been 93. 93 when we did it definitely has uh, all of the elements of the 1980s that you could imagine. Ooh. Yeah, I, 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 see, I wonder if you actually pick one of these out, how much script editing you'd have to do today. Because I. Uh, do you reckon that they would be going back and and editing this stuff up? I I, I can't imagine that they are. No, like, <laughs> no, they just sit on the shelf, getting dusty, waiting for another school to go. We need a musical. Send us your catalogue. And mm. this chic rattle and roll is the one that basically the company goes, look, give us a hundred bucks. No, no, no. I'm looking on the website, mate. They're still asking five hundred bucks. Oh, you're serious. Gosh. Well, even still, right? 500 bucks by any school standard is like, yeah, yeah that's, we have a really tight budget, so that'll do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so there you go. It's still out there. It's Just, still out there. I'm sure the Dracula Spectacular and Big Al are as well. To their credit, if you want to call it that. <laughs> All the Gilbert and Sullivan ones still get a run every now and then, though. They still oh, yeah, pop up. True. Carousel. The Mikado. The Venetian Twins. Um, oh, no. What? High school spoofical. Oh, of course. That was inevitable. Oh, it's no. like Sister Act became a musical, and, and particularly, yeah, um, you know, go. all girls' schools would pull that one out. Um, but Sister Act, yeah, high school musical became, it, you know, very quickly became a high school musical. Oh, God. So a high school oh, spoofical <laughs> on, makes complete on. sense. High school spoofical. Welcome to Sweet Valley High, a perfect world of Disney teens. Oh, it's no. an all-American school full of every clique imaginable. Oh, no. Jocks, cheerleaders, eggheads, emos, homies, and even redneck yokels. <laughs> Your average school. Oh. Meet Zach Teflon and Vanessa Huggins. Nice. Oh, God. <laughs> the catch is that someone sat down and thought, hey, this will be really great. <laughs> Two spotless little angels who are planning to unleash their extraordinary talents upon the high school musical, but when a red-headed exchange student named Rufus arrives on <laughs> campus... Things suddenly become terribly undisnified. <gasps> With an upcoming visit from the American president... Oh, and you know people would change that to Trump in a minute. Yeah. Can Egghead Scarlet save the day and recapture the Disney spirit? It's a musical phenomenon filled with romance, magic, and god-awful singing. It's high school spoofical. Oh, boy. Oh. Well, look, at, at, at least the authors of this aren't the same people as the one who were writing Chic, Rattle and Roll, so maybe there's some less racism in it. That'd be good. Oh, boy. So, yeah, so High School Musical, I love it. I can't wait to see what happens next. I loved all the performances. It was great. Like There was just so much enthusiasm from everyone involved. Loved it. I just... I just don't ever want to see anything fame-related ever again. No, or Greece, well, or Greece. Well, I was going to say that's the next opportunity, right? Oh no, no that no. or Flashdance. Look, from, from again, it's a while since I've seen Flashdance, but I have a feeling there's a bit too much rooting in that for that to be a high school musical. That at least is my my memory. That never stopped them before. <laughs> I mean, well, I've seen you, schools you, do Rocky doing Horror. Greece. <laughs> What is with that? I don't understand. I don't know how they got away with it, honestly. Uh, yeah. 
Because <laughs> I've seen oh. it in both its musical and its film versions. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and go, look, apart from the Time War, which inexplicably, um, you know, charted uh, on the popular music charts, I don't... It's not great. Get, get it? <laughs> it's just not great. Like, okay, so he's an alien, and so what? Like, all he did was buff both of them and then encourage them to buff each other and they left. <laughs> and then the house turned into a spaceship. Yeah, that's right. And Poochie was never seen again. Hey, speaking of houses that turn into a spaceship, oh, can, can you we? remember Can you remember a, a show on the ABC back in the 80s where the the premise was a spaceship landed like in a just a suburban block yes. and it, like it it put, it changed itself to be a house yes and so then you had one dude on there uh who was you know pretending to be from an, an alien and then they got a flatmate who was just you know an average Aussie bloke yes. and then hijinks ensued it was it was kind of like Mork and Mindy but yes. with no women and aimed at a school age audience in Australia do you remember that show I, look, I do, but I'm now just Googling it to try and remember it. It would have been contemporaneous with Secret Valley and all that sort of stuff. Speaking of Secret Valley, yes. never never go and watch it. Never. Okay. Don't, 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 it, don't even, don't even see it pop up on YouTube and go, oh, this will be hilarious. Like, like, no, it's, it's not. It's, it, look, 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 no, not even my childhood crush on Simone Buchanan could save watching Secret Valley. <laughs> not, not even nostalgia for remembering how, you know, seven-year-old me thought she was the prettiest girl on television is enough to make watching Secret Valley good again. Sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> what is this show? It's now got me really, really bothered. But it existed, didn't it? It did Definitely. Exist. This is not... Because a- I remember that the, 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 the AI of the spaceship... Yes, it was in it was the, house. the house, and yes. they talked to the house. That's right, and um, and I can't remember. I can picture the actor who was the alien, who like um, a fairly tall um, Australian guy, sort of bo- haircut a bit like Andy Zaltzman, like balding sure. but also curly. You know, she could um, give me the name in it, bloody oh, hell! I know, I know, I can't. Re- I, and it would it would have to have been on the ABC because that was the only channel that we got. Oh, that's uh, a useless list. This is like kids who are ten. <laughs> I'm looking at a list of kids on shows I watched as a kid, but they're all nothing's older than twelve years old. <laughs> What's um, wrong with the internet? <laughs> what uh, was the show where the house was a spaceship? And it would have been around about the same time as Hunter. Remember oh, Hunter with serious eighties. Hunter with computer cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, can, I don't know if it's just my memory, but I have a feeling that the only thing that, that that cat had to do with a computer was the fact that he was called Computer Cat. Did he have a computer? Because um, it's not the, like he was. He, it's cat? not like he was a computer. He was a cat. Mm. No, that's not it. This is really quite boring. For <laughs> come on, <laughs> this is this, this is the best kind of. <laughs> Oh wow! See, look, oh, yeah, I'm looking at Computer Cat, and uh, like there's pictures of Computer Cat here, and and I'm it was not on the seeing... ABC, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I'm sure it was, uh, and, and like I'm not actually seeing a computer anywhere near the Computer Cat. Like the, the cat's just in a basket, or, was, or, in, it was, or, or, 
Or in a yes. basket on the front of his bike. And it was meant to be... Like, as a TV show goes, it was meant to be... So, 1984, 85-ish is when Hunter Hunt, was. Uh, Hunter, yes. Yeah. So that, that was just educational thing. But, but it was like, it was meant to teach us a lesson about something, wasn't it? It wasn't just, here's a house that's a... Um, oh, no, no. Well, no, I... I, I well, see, that, the, the one with the, the, the house... Hunter always had a moral. Yeah, but the house that turned into a spaceship, I think it was just supposed to be funny. But, like, aimed at kids? Yeah. Australian I think it was. children's TV comedy, 1980s. Funnily enough, it comes up with nothing. <laughs> no. It comes up with heaps of stuff. Oh. I mean, it, this is the thing. It lists titles. Lots of things listing titles, but that's no good to me. Mm. Oh, I'm just really disappointed because even... All you friggin' millennials that do listicles don't go back further than, like, 1996. Oh, exactly, exactly. It's just like, oh, does anyone remember Rugrats? Of course I remember Rugrats! Oh, I was in you, high school! Did you hear the Rugrats is coming back? Is it? Oh. Mm. oh I didn't like it the first time around. Didn't you? I loved Rugrats. No. Oh, it, wow. Maybe it just missed me or something else, but no, it was not, not a thing. Mm. Why can I not remember... Oh, <laughs> come on, TV man! I know it's hot. <laughs> Show me your chops. Oh, actually, <laughs> pause. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Andrew, <laughs> who is my favourite television historian, what was the TV show in the eighties? I think on ABC, where a space ship. Landed on an empty block mm. and turned into a house. And <laughs> the alien lived in it and they took in a flatmate who was Aussie as <laughs> help. <laughs> Let's see if Andrew knows. Now, now I have to say, if anyone is going to know, Andrew will know. Nice. But it bothers uh. me that I don't know. <laughs> oh, this just... And, and this is the thing. Like, IMDb seems to be this um, almost endless, endless reference. You know, Wikipedia as well. Right until you hit some weird esoteric Australian thing, and it's just like... No one's ever bothered to document this. I'm, I'm amazed that, that Hunter has a Wikipedia page, to be honest. Well, this is the problem with us, right? Is that there are people who are our age who are just transfixed about TV shows. Mm. Um, and so when... Okay, well, we have to, um, you know, kind of include this. This needs its own, you know, stub in Wikipedia land. Um, like, Rafferty's Rules has its own page. Well, that was a good show. Alexander Bunyip's Billabong. Again, good show. Bang Goes the Budgie. Oh, I only vaguely remember that. Infinity Limited. Now, that was a kid's oh, show that inf- I watched yeah. all Infinity the time. Limited. Yep, absolutely. Um, Kingswood Country. Talk about racist. <laughs> like, I can't even start with that show. I, I'm not... Yeah, uh, and, and I'm not sure whether there, it was... I, actually, I don't think it was supposed to be ironic. I think it was just racist. <gasps> the Curiosity Show. Oh, no, forget that. Robin Dean. 
It was a half-hour show where they basically talked about science things and showed you how things worked. These mm. two guys from Adelaide, they were legends in kids' TV. Curiosity show! <laughs> it was so good. In fact, right. little, little, little known note of extra trivia, uh, my first wife was on a Christian television pro- program where um, Dean Hutton uh, also popped up and did some science and understanding things and talked about Jesus and stuff. That's not the program that Kirk Cameron came on and tried to use a banana to prove that no, God existed. No, it was not that. <laughs> um, Professor Poopsnaggle's Steam Zeppelin. Pugwall. Have you heard the theory about Pugwall? Pugwall? So Pugwall was... Um, I remember this... Pugwash. I don't remember Pugwall. Let's go over here to the stub that tells me things. Um, how has it just done that? I hate it when my page zooms in and then I don't know how to unzoom it. <laughs> Pugwall, Australian television. I do it was not... on Channel 9 in the late... Oh, well, yeah, again, it's that, not Pugwash. Nah, that, that's, why, see, that's why I wouldn't have seen it, because in 1989, aggregation had not yet come to rural Australia, so we still only had two tele- television shows. So anything for... Anything that was on Channel 9 or Channel 10 through yes. through basically the 80s to the early 90s didn't see it. So I like my my total exposure to the comedy company was probably three episodes when we were visiting my grandparents in Canberra because Canberra had four stations. So or, or, or sorry oh. or if we went if we went to Yamba where they had NRTV they, they were also a 10 affiliate so we could see the comedy company in Yamba but yes. not at home in Inverell. Uh, nine and eight, which also had a racist logo. You know, fuck me. There's a lot of race. Je- Jesus Christ. I know. Oh fuck me. Uh, I have some great news for you, mate. Oh, you know, my mate what? Andrew has come to the party. <gasps> what was it called? Are you ready? Yes. Watch this space. Oh. It even has its own IMDb page. It's not very big, but it's there. A red-faced alien, Rufus played by Paul Chubb, lands his ship on a vacant block of land. The ship changes into a normal home. Together with his new Earth friend, Ron, Rufus gets into all sorts of trouble. Yes, that's it! Ron Ron Blanchard played played himself. Um, Watch this space. Here we go. Here's here's the review from (laughs) 2005 by a guy called Enval-1. On the 31st of December. He was just filling in. He's getting his IMDb stats up. Um, The alien gets Ron Blanchard into all kinds of situations. In addition, the alien spaceship is run by the onboard computer, which also causes poor Ron additional problems. Ron must try and act normal with any visitors, which becomes increasingly difficult. This was a children's afternoon television show, which was pretty cool. It included performances by local bands and performers including well-known Australian guests. This was our attempt at a kid's version of The Young Ones, by the sounds of it. Wow. And guess how many Watch episodes... Space. How many series oh. and episodes do you think it ran for? I'm going to guess it had one series. <laughs> you would be correct. <laughs> one series of 13 episodes. Oh. I can't believe that Ron Blanchard... Like, I'm looking at a single picture of them now. Yeah. And Paul Chubb was like... He was the comedic actor of the 80s. He was in <laughs> flipping everything. Yep, yep. I'm just pulling up their um, IMDb pages. 
It turns out that Ron Blanchard actually has a few credits. He was in Oscar and Lucinda. He was in Country Practice, which would have confused me a lot because he has a very distinctive head. Um, <laughs> he was in Mother and Son for an episode. Um, he was in The Gary McDonald Show. He was in a few things. He was in number 96. Which controversial. Um, <laughs> wow. So he's oh, in a boy. few things, but I can't... Finding a picture of him is tough. Let's have a look at here. Ron Blanchard, actor. He has a... Yeah, you know, I have to Google him because his head is... Like, particularly that picture with Rufus is exactly the Ron... Uh, wow, he shaved all his hair off. No wonder he never recognised him again. Poor bugger. Uh, Paul Chubb, however... <laughs> Maybe he just decided to give up work after... I mean, once you've been on Watch This Space, where is where there to go? Where else is there to go? That's it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you've achieved everything. Paul Chubb was in Cozzy. Uh, yep. He was in... Um, what else? A whole bunch of TV series through the 80s and 90s, of course. Around the Twist. Um... He was in. Um, he was the host of TV series Theatre Sports, um, which brought us Andrew Denton. If you don't mind, he was in Kingswood Country a bit. He was in a Country Practice a lot. Um, he was in The Dismissal. That's what. That's right. He was in Country Practice. That's where I recognise him from. Uh, and uh, then I, I, his, I have. I have a feeling he got around in Dungarees a fair bit on a, a country fair bit. Practice. I reckon he was also yeah. in Home and Away for eleven episodes in two thousand. He was in All Saints for a little bit. He was in a TV miniseries called The Farm. Um, We've done good work here tonight, Stephen. Jeepers. <laughs> Mate, Paul Chubb. I remember watching Paul Chubb and thinking he was the best. And Ron Blanchard has the weirdest head I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so so here's, here's the thing. When, when is Watch This Space going to get its due in a BuzzFeed listicle? That's oh, what I want to know. It's, unless you and I write it. It's not gonna. 1982. I mean, I mean, let's... Jeez. Oh, I mean... Steve so, Bisley was in it. <laughs> Holy shit. Someone has gone through and listed out the, the, the special guest stars. You ready for this? Yeah, shoot. Chris McQuaid was in it. Now, she's currently uh, playing Luke McGregor's mum in Rosehaven. <laughs> um, Tracy Mann was in it. Rebecca Gilling. John English. Oh, he I would know. have been huge in 1982. Huge. huge. Graham Blundell, who also would have been yeah. huge. At least for the parents' point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, the, the aforementioned Steve Bisley. <laughs> and someone called The Amazing Orcante. Hmm. Who... That sounds like a pseudonym. Well, I, I, look, it's looking at his picture and, and and stuff on IMDb, he was only ever in two things. <laughs> One of them was as himself, The Amazing Tom Orcante. Uh, and then he was also in a, t- a TV movie called The Happening. Um, nearly 10 years later. So it was a bit of a side gig then. <laughs> oh, look, definitely. I'd say he was too busy bending himself in half. Um, how wow. mate, Watch this space. Honestly, I remember loving that show. It was Well, it had a talking house, Steve. What, what's not to love? What I'm disappointed about is that there isn't, is not a Wikipedia stub for it. Where's the gritty reboot of oh, Watch This God. Space? We've become Tofop so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, there is, there is one. You ready for this? We have to listen to this. You say we're tofu without the talent or the audience. Yeah, that's right. Definitely without both. <laughs> Watch this space is an Australian children's science fiction television series which ran on the ABC from uh, seven April to thirteen June, nineteen eighty-two. <laughs> Big run. That's huge. Big run. 
Oh, oh, you will love... I'll get to that. That's a bit of trivia you will love in a second. The show starred Paul Chubb in his first leading role in a TV series as a red-skinned alien named Rufus, who arrives on Earth and attempts on, to break into on, show hang business. On, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just... just... Isn't George Carlin's character in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure called Rufus? It is. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Paul Chubb is George Carlin. Oh my god! Or the writers of Bill and Ted's watched Watch This Space, a one series Australian television kids program. Holy shit! It has to be true. It has to <laughs> oh be true. God. This is the worst. <gasps> it was written by Mike Mead. I, Mike you, Mead was on Now You See It. Mike Mead hosted Now You See It. Oh my god! Holy shit! <laughs> we are through the looking glass here, people. Hang on. Oh, boy. So this is the thing I remember that left it on IMDb. Rufus arrived on Earth because he wanted to break into show business, which is why there were famous people attached to it. Of course. The alien is helped by a local man, played by co-star Ron Blanchard, who attempts to help him fit in, including... And I'm going to go to Ron Blanchard's Wikipedia page next, because that's got to be a world of joy. (laughs) Uh, Including helping disguise his spaceship as a normal home, and later, later... Moved in with him as a roommate. How did he? How did he have time later? There was only thirteen episodes. <laughs> I think maybe maybe later, as in later in the first episode. Oh gosh, good old Mike Mead was writing this on acid, being largely unaware of Earth culture. The alien Rufus. If he's largely unaware of Earth culture, why does he want to come to to Earth to break into show business? Oh, I've got some breaking news for Rufus. He went to Australia. There's no show business in Australia. Definitely not in the 80s. It's just Bert Newton making racist jokes. Graham Kennedy getting kicked off TV. That's all there was. And Don Lane being very angry. Oh, who's got the envelope? Um, being largely unaware of Earth culture, the alien would regularly become involved in comical oh. social situations. This oh, was boy. most often as his human at his human's friend's expense, who, while receiving weekly visitors, continually tries to explain away his odd behaviour and the existence of his talking shipboard computer. Other actors who appeared in the series include local bands, performers and celebrity guest stars, such as everyone that I listed before. Wow. Um, apart from wow. Paul Chubb, actors used their oh. own names for the characters they played. So I think the term that we're looking here for writer, for good old Mike <laughs> Mead, is very, very loose. Boy, why, why isn't this in reruns? Why, why isn't this on Netflix? Or, or why, why isn't this on, oh. on iView? Why is this not on iView? Oh, God, it would be a gift to us all. Now, I've got to tell you. I thought that Ron Blanchard's Wikipedia page would be two lines. Yep. It's a couple more than that. <laughs> right. But gee, it is a wealth of Australian 80s television. Are you ready for this? Okay, shoot. He is best known, Ron Blanchard. Yeah. Best yep. known for his starring roles in five <laughs> popular children's television series. Mm-hmm. Starting with Breakfast A Go-Go. I do not even remember that. Same. The Lost Islands. Nope. Nope. Um, Alexander Bunyip's Billabong. That I am down for. He was Alexander Bunyip's best mate. He was like the Sherl of Sherl's neighbourhood in Alexander Bunyip's Billabong. Right. 
watch sense. this space, which is I, how I, we've I discovered just, I, him. I had the books. I had the Alexander Bunyan yes. books. So I was very, very excited when and uh, I got to see that on TV. Professor Poop Snaggles Steam Zeppelin. I never saw... See, you say that with such like a knowing tone. I've never heard of Professor oh, Poop Snaggles Steam Zeppelin until oh, this very it. evening. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. That's the, oh, next, ta- that's the next tab I'm opening. This is going to be a very long episode. <laughs> we might need to do a part two. Um, a special just on Rod Blanchard. God. Um, so he's a well-known character, actress, actor. Uh, Blanchard had numerous appearances in film and television from the 1960s up until the late 90s, most especially his recurring role as Lenny Sawyer on A Country Practice. Um, he had a guest star in number 96 and The Snake Gully with Dad and Dave, uh, The Lost Island, whatever that was. He was one of the show's so main he, antagonists. He, he, he's just in a... Yeah. The series provided... He's been on, been on everything, just like every Australian actor. It was his breakout role, did you know? What was? Um, the, the the Lost Islands. That was oh, apparently okay. his breakout I, role. I, 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 no. Don't have it. See, but back back to my question. Though, oh, Stuart. my why, why isn't why, why isn't Watch This Space on iView? You, actually, you know, what, you know what really still frustrates me isn't on iView? What's that? The Damnation of Harvey McHugh. What is that? How, go and ask your TV nerd friend. Oh, you are losing. Oh, it, it's so. It's a good thing that no one listens to this program, mate, because you are losing so many TV points tonight. It's appalling. The Damnation of Harvey McHugh was a series on the ABC. Yes, and it would have been, it would have been late eighties or early nineties, um, and it was again one of these. Amazing cast. The, the premise of the story was Harvey McHugh was a uh, a good Catholic boy um, who uh, was trying to get a, a permanent position in the New South Wales Public Service. Yes, and he's although he he came from a, a strictly Catholic family, his mother had called him Harvey because she'd realised that if you had a Catholic name like Patrick or something like that, it was very hard to be made permanent. Sure. <laughs> so, so McHugh was hopeless. Um, but it was found early on that he had a matching blood type for the minister, mm-hmm. who was pay, played by a play school dude, Philip someone. Philip. Oh, What's the show the, called? The Damnation? Of Harvey McHugh. Anyway, so what they had to do was come up with <gasps> Wikipedia they, solved everything. They they had to come Philip Quast. That's it. Um, he so so they had to come up with like all these excuses to keep taking blood transfusions from Harvey, and they also had to make sure that he like um, didn't get sacked because they needed access to him. But every single different department he went to, like he would uncover like. Like massive corruption and all that sort of stuff, and so they would have to shoot him along to the next place. Well, um, let's here we go. Let's he check out the, the synopsis. Right here we go. This sharp black comedy with strong elements of political satire follows the misadventures of a naive young clerk, Harvey McHugh, as he tries to secure a permanent position in the Australian Public Service. As his quest progresses, Harvey gains many startling insights into how the Australian government and bureaucracy operates behind the scenes especially through his dealings with the powerful and manipulative politician Michael Muldoon, invariably referred to as simply the minister, who heads the department where Harvey is employed. The production of the series received considerable coverage in the press at the time as it was being made. After production had begun, the ABC took the unusual and costly step 
of scrapping several completed episodes because it felt that the mood was too dark. Yep. <laughs> it, it, and it was it was it was brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. And th- this is back when Tim Bowden was still on the ABC. Oh, doing back, back chat. Doing yeah, back yeah. chat. Because let me tell you, there was a lot of back chat about the generation oh, of Harvey and Mickey. There were a lot of very, very unhappy people uh, <laughs> who uh, wrote in. I think in 1994. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. And I and I have since the first run, I haven't seen it since. No, so it hasn't I, popped up anywhere. It has a fan website. Really, I've, it is. Inc- it was incredible. Captain forward slash minister htm. Of course, there are pictures. Uh, and like, like, like the running joke was every that, episode is synopsized. Oh, sweet! The, the the running joke was that um, if he wasn't careful, he'd get a job in fisheries, and his mum would go like, "No, son of mine's going to work in fisheries." <laughs> oh, and little house on the Gold Coast. They won the police department's art union, only to f- only to find out that they had to give the prize back. Oh gosh! It was incredible. It just it was so good. Um, and and then at the end, like the at the end of the um, the 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 final episode, um, the minister basically gets the call up to run for a seat in Canberra, and so that you know they're going to take Harvey with them, and which you know just left it. So brilliantly open for a sequel, and it just never happened. Oh, this is incredible! It was, in, oh, oh, you know, and it, well, yeah, Catholics hated it. <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone hated it. Everyone yes. hated it. It was just so good, so good. Allow me to quickly fill you on Professor Poop Steam Zeppelin because, oh, sure, <laughs> as it turns out, I think it's <laughs> the very first, the very first TV role for a young Justine Clark. Now you've got me interested. It was a popular Australian children's television series and a spin-off from the 1980 series Secret Valley that aired on the Nine Network. It was first aired in 86 uh, and later across the country, wow, around the world. In contrast to Secret Valley, which was the commercial failure in the UK when it screened there, Professor Poopstagel's Steam Zeppelin was hugely successful in the UK where it was first broadcast uh, in 1987 uh, on the IT- on ITV, blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. What channel was it on? Here in Australia? Yeah. Um, no, nine Network, there so you that's go. That's what it suggests. Again, there that's you go. what I never saw Summary. It. Let's hit this. Professor Poopsnaggle, holder of a vital scientific secret, had been abducted and his mysterious disappearance jeopardises the world of science. His young <laughs> grandson, who assists him in his research... Secures the help of Professor Garcia, a long-standing colleague and friend of the scientist, assisted by a group of children, always, spending their holidays at in the Secret Valley camp. Professor Garcia and the young boy build a flying bus. They set off in pursuit of the kidnappers and attempt at the same time to complete Poop Snaggle's unfinished work. They are helped in their quest by a document that Garcia and the children gradually manage to decipher, but alas... There is a traitor in their midst, passing information to the evil kidnappers of Professor Poopsnaggle, Count Sartor and his accomplice. However, against all odds, and throughout countless and often irresistibly amusing adventures, (laughs) Professor Garcia and his young group of friends finally win the day. Time after time, the children show great courage and skill. Matt, the traitor sees the error of his ways. Well, I've just spoiled that for you if you want to see it, by the way. Oh, um, damn. Sees the error of his ways and they all live happily ever after. It got 24 episodes in six parts. One right. year. 
Wow. Um, and they go through and list out the six parts. How did Professor Poopsnaggle's Steam Zeppelin get 11 more episodes than Watch This Space? That's right. Ron Blanchard was Merc. He was like one of the... Was he in this as well? Yeah, that's how we got to it. Oh, God. Um, Justine Clark was Carmen. Professor Poopsnaggle was Jerry Duggan. Um... Uh, Dr. Garcia was Jose Maria Caffarel. Glad he really kicked on, didn't he? Um, <laughs> Ken Talbot was in this. Leonard Teal was in this. That's how you know he was keeping up Boy. appearances. <laughs> Jeepers. So good. Wow, watch this space. I remember loving that show. I loved Rupus. Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> oh, boy. There you go. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I feel like I've I'm been cleansed. Sp- I'm spent. <laughs> That's right. What a what a ride this has been. How did we get on to watch this space? You brought up this TV show you used to yeah, but watch. I, I, I don't know what... You must have said something that made me think about it. Something about television. Yeah, oh, we were talking like... about the polygamists. Then it got out of control. Something happened. It's really not that important. No, I guess not. It's the journey, Dave. It's not the destination. This is so very true, Stephen. Very, very true. Sums up our relationship. Oh, I wish I had a talking house. Bolton. Actually, well, hang on. I guess, hang I, on. Guess I, I guess I do. I've got a Google Home. Did I tell you that? Yes, we've got a Google Home Mini now. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it controls it our Fetch TV. It, 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 it turns on Spotify on my stereo very well, and that's about all. Same. All Everything it does is- for me is Spotify, the weather, uh, which I can see by looking out the window. Um, and but I can legitimately say, "Hey timers. Google, timers." Yeah, I can say, "Hey Google, put it on this channel and turn the volume down," and it does it. Yeah, but you know what I really want when I've got like crap all over my hands, and I want to know how many grams, like three teaspoons of butter, uh, tablespoons of butter is. Sure. No, that that is apparently entirely <laughs> beyond my Google Home. I'm sorry, I can't do that for you right now, but I'm constantly working to learn new things. Like, I don't care what you're learning. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's not helping me now, Google. Catch up, America. <sighs> Goddamn. Anyway. Um, yeah. I, I, there you go. I do live in a house that talks to me. I know, but do you have a house that talks to you because it's a spaceship or because no. you have... No. Allowed a large multinational company to listen to every word you say Just and work out your buying pattern. Every single word. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> you know what I just realised? I just realised a conversation I had in the house earlier this evening right in front of the Google Home, and I'm thinking, oh. that would be thrilling for someone. <laughs> oh, you know how with like the... Um, the Amazon Echoes, you can go to web page and it shows you everything that recorded. I wonder if, if the Google oh, Assistant does be. that. Oh. Have to be. Oh. But, mm. but, anyway, on that frightening note, <laughs> I'm going to go to... I've got an even more frightening note for you. Mm. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. That only happened in the last 48 hours. That's great. That's just what we need. He's richer than the people who run oil out of the Middle East. You think about that. Mm. Well, to be fair, I mean, really, what is the difference from playing, paying slave wages to people working in a hot environment and pumping oil? It's the same thing. It's like Australia not being real, right? We're all actors. 
crisis actors. <sighs> Gosh. All right. Let's, no, we really need to stop <laughs> go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> have, you been, uh, have you been watching The Water? Have I been watching The Water? Mm. I don't know what you mean. Oh, Steve. You mean you haven't been listening to Q? What? Oh boy, I I think I think it's time you start following hashtag QAnon on Twitter. I Who? Think you, <laughs> QAnon. Is it a person or is it a thing? What? what? Oh, Q, Q is a, Q is a person. Yes. Q is a person, uh, and and Q is telling the secrets from the deep state. What is QAnon? <laughs> They're telling the secrets from the deep states. Stephen, Jesus. <laughs> let's just stop right now. But uh, I, I think you need to make QAnon a permanent search, like that hashtag on your Twitter, and you need to read everything that's on oh, there. Oh, I just looked up some stuff then, and I don't want to know about it. <laughs> like it's stuff you can't unsee. <laughs> you know what the worst thing is? You know what the worst thing is? What? Now that you've seen the White Rabbit. You can't unsee it. Oh, no, I'm not going back there. Oh, my God. <laughs> the storm is coming, Stephen. Oh, CNN coming. is a deep state network. <laughs> oh, jeepers. Well, that's got, well, that should take you through the next three or four hours, mate, so I'll leave you to it. You want to know why these people are all over the chat rooms and social networks? Because it's real and it's happening. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Watch the water. Oh my god! Pray for friends that have been to see. We have to get out of here. <laughs> the storm is gathering. Oh god! I love you, Steve. Hashtag QAnon. Bye. Bye.